Hi, I'm Liam, the Project Director of the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Initiative led by the marketing society Think Equal. Think Equal will initially focus on accelerating gender equality across the Marcoms industry. The initiative aims to help progress the careers of mid and senior management women, helping to accelerate their careers to take more leadership positions, leading brands, agencies and media owners in the UAE and the wider region. Through training, events, mentoring, policy changes, content and much more, we aim to provide tangible activity that will make an impact and a difference now. We'll also be collaborating with other membership groups, event organisers and media to ensure more equal visibility and opportunity to be provided. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Mohammed Ismail, partner at Tough Love Advisors and chairperson at the Marketing Society. Mohammed brings a wealth of knowledge and throughout his career at Procter & Gamble, Citibank, HSBC and Visa. In addition, he was the executive sponsor for both the mental health and wellness, as well as the women's leadership networks at Visa, both areas he's extremely passionate about and are areas that he championed both in and out of Visa. Mohammed, thank you for joining us today. Um, but before we dive in, I'd like to start with allowing our audience to get to know you a little better. So I'm going to ask you three quick questions. Try and keep it as quick and as simple as possible, um, but we'll see how that goes. So first up, um, can you describe your career journey into leadership? Absolutely. Firstly, thank you, Leanne. It's, it's a great honor to be here. And uh, uh, as you know, this is a great conversation for me that I loved getting involved in. So appreciate that opportunity. So uh, career journey to leadership. Uh, it's one that I kind of fell into. Um, I fell into finance when I graduated from London. I came back to Saudi, joined a bank, uh, and then found that the first five or six years of my life started with Citibank. But when I joined Procter & Gamble, I actually started as a financial analyst. And that's kind of been a foundation to my career right the way through. Um, I found very quickly my love of marketing within a couple of years at Procter. But that foundation of numbers has been with me right through my career and, it, and it's, it's helped me all the way through. Okay, wonderful. I mean, that's a great journey going from finance to marketing. And I'm sure we'll, we'll touch upon that a bit more throughout, throughout this session. Um, sure. So you're a founder at Tough Love Advisors. How, how do they support gender equality across the business? Well, we're still very young. We're only about 19, 18 months uh, since we set up the organization. But right from the start, we as partners, when we came together, we knew that we had to represent and have a, 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 an ins ensure that we had representation across a whole DNI aspect in terms of nationalities. We had eight different nationalities. Uh, we had a third of our partners were women. Um, and it was important that we did that because we knew that that sort of diversity of thinking was key to our ability to be able to serve our clients. Um, you know, our, our business is here to help businesses thrive. And we know that DNI and gender equality is incredibly important for their business. It's not just the right thing to do. It's actually a good thing to do in terms of their bottom line. So that's how we present ourselves to our clients. Okay, amazing. It's great to, to kind of hear that, you know, in, even though the business is in its infancy, 18 months, you're still, you've got that strategy in place and on how you're moving that forward and, and where you want to be. Um, what do you think the biggest action that we can take to climb, climb the career ladder? What is that? 
Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there are many. Um, I think as marketing and as marketers, it's you absolutely need to understand your business. You need to understand the numbers behind what you do. Um, it's not about the pretty stuff. It's not about the, I talk a lot about, I've adopted a few teams that were fundamentally just the coloring in department at this organization. Um, and if you're not clear on what are the levers that you can tweak in terms of the function that you're leading and what impact that has to the bottom line, then that's kind of where you're going to stay. And there's nothing wrong with being in the coloring in department, but that's kind of where the advertisers really come into their, their strength. As marketers, you need to understand that bottom line. Um, I've owned a P&L. I have worked for businesses where I supported the P&L, but at no point in time did I ever not have the ability to speak the same language as my partners in product and sales and finance, because that is absolutely what a marketer needs to do. That's a really good point. And I guess kind of moving into that leadership role and being being on a board, you're able to have those conversations with your counterparts across the business and have the confidence to be able to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, look, I, I'm, I'm biased. I generally believe every organization should be led by marketing. But um, and I've seen it work. I've come from an organization at Procter and many other sort of FMCGs where marketing was that leading function. Um, but that doesn't really matter. Whether you lead or support, you have a role to play. Um, you know, I know we talk a lot about this sort of shift of, from CMO to CEO. Um, and that can only happen if you have a deep understanding of your business drivers and the bottom line and what actually works and doesn't. And, and if you are purely on the creative aspect of what our role is, then you leave a lot uh, on the table that you're, you're, you're not fully utilizing. That's a really interesting point. Um, thank you for sharing that. And I'm hoping that that's given the audience a bit of background into, into your career uh, today. But the, the main thing that we really want to talk about today is, is around um, gender, gender equality. And, you know, I've got a few questions that I'm going to ask you. And the, the first one being, you know, what do you think some of the barriers or challenges are that females are having when trying to accelerate into those leadership positions? You're not holding back. <laughs> These are good questions. So, look, I I think there are quite a few areas. Um, I've I've been fortunate enough to have worked in organisations where um, you know this has been a, a a key focus for us. But I've seen it and witnessed it firsthand in terms of uh, the difference between leading men and leading women. And you know, I, there's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome, and it would be I think amiss of us not to bring that up today. Um, there is this, and, and I, I know I'd like to talk about it a little bit more in terms of it's not just a, a, a gender thing. I think imposter syndrome uh, you know, exists right across the board. I've suffered from it all 30 plus years of my career. Um, and I say suffer, and I think actually that's a wrong term because it's been a key strength for me as opposed to a barrier, but it always, it always existed. But I think in terms of, how it shows up with women, um, it can still be a barrier. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's this confidence piece where you know, women tend to shy away until they feel that they're 100% ready for something. Uh, whilst a man will just jump in, and you know, in most cases, not all, but you will jump in and say, you know what, I'm 70% of the way there. I'll learn as I go along. That's good enough for me. And 
that just allows them to step into roles more so than women. And, and it creates that sort of gap all the way through the, an organization because right from the beginning, men are jumping in far more than women are. Um, and, and that is creating this as, you, as we go along. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is a, a, a genuine thing, um, but one that we don't, we talk about, but we don't really delve into very, very much. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up, actually. So I've, I've recently read a book on imposter syndrome because the term, I was hearing it left, right and centre, but actually I wanted to educate myself more on what it was um, and why it exists. So just to kind of touch upon the, the fact that you were saying that you've experienced it, there's, there's some statistics in the book um, and it actually, from some research, and it actually states that 32% of women and 33% of men feel that they don't deserve the success that they've attained. 36% of women and 34% of men took perfectionism to the extreme and set unrealistic expectations for themselves. 47% of the women and 48% of the men didn't believe that they've earned the rewards that they've received as a result of their hard work. So that just goes to show that it's not just a female trait it you know from that research those statistics are so close together that it's both that that suffer from that and you know I also think that it's it's not just both both sexism both genders that suffer but you know what, you're, what is it you're what are the characteristics right. of it you know you know it was I I don't know what created it or what causes it I just know that I felt it all the way through my career but there were I think there are two ways of looking at it. You can either look at it as a barrier and as a hindrance. To me, it was a driver. It was a driver for me to constantly push myself to do better. And, you know, because it was, you know, I, some point in my life, someone's going to catch up and find out, you know, what the hell is he doing here? And I kind of have always had that in my, in the back of my head, but, yeah. but it, I didn't lose confidence because I actually had results and I, I'd have to sort of stop along the way and say, look what you just did. To remind myself that you're absolutely here. But then I'd move on to the next thing in my mind that would say, oh, yeah, but I can't do the next thing. Um, but it was always, for me, a driver. And it, it, it pushed me to do better at every single step of the way. But if you let, I think if you allow imposter syndrome to prevent you from stepping forward, then it becomes a hindrance. You know, that, that waiting to be 100% perfect is actually holding you back because your counterparts, the men, are up there, are pushing forward. You know, we talk about confidence. To me, confidence is really about take a risk. There is absolutely nothing wrong with stepping forward. You know, what is the worst that could happen? You're not right for the role. So what? You would have learned something in that interview about yourself or about your skills or about the organization that will help you longer term. But if you don't take that step forward, like your male counterparts potentially are, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what, you, what you're talking about there and what you're doing is evidence stacking. So, you know, we, we suffer from imposter syndrome because of lack of self-esteem, lack of self-confidence and lack of self-belief. But what you've done is you've just explained how you've evidence stacked, which is a coping mechanism for imposter syndrome and what you have done well, what you can learn from. And you're actually looking at those experiences on, uh, on a learning and not, uh, I'm not good enough, or I don't possess all of those skills, you're, you're actually going, well, I do have them skills, and this is why I have them. 
Yeah, so I, I didn't know there was a term for it, but it was, uh, <laughs> it's, and I, I think as, as I got more senior in my career, the more comfortable I became with myself as well. And it was, you know, there's no way that these, you know, Proctor, HSBC, Citibank, Visa, they would have caught me out, right? And I had to kind of remember to remind myself that they would have caught me out if I wasn't able to do what I was doing. So just stop and, 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 and take the time to celebrate actually what you've been able to achieve. Look backwards sometimes so that you can move forwards. Um, we don't often do that enough. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to, to, to those stats that you gave. It's, you know, when we look at imposter syndrome, we tend to focus on how do you pull it out of a woman and, and the capabilities that she has. But actually, as leaders, you should be looking at both uh, according to the numbers you just shared, which is you know, really interesting. So. Yeah, definitely. I found it quite interesting what you were saying about confidence and actually like risk is is something that, that you see confidence as, whereas, you know, I see confidence as certainty. Um, and I think everyone... A certainty? Certainty, yeah. So, yeah. so if I'm certain about something, then I definitely have increased confidence um, with, with moving forward, whether that be, it could be a conversation, it could be a competition, it could be anything. Um, but... That's it, a certainty. And I think that actually it's important to understand yourself what confidence means to you and how you can work with that, especially if you're suffering from, from imposter syndrome, um, to be able to work forward. That's an interesting way of looking at it because, I mean, if you go back to this, women will wait until they're 100% versus men will wait till they're around 60 70% comfortable. Yeah, that's the certainty that you wait for. But is it a missed opportunity that you could potentially have let pass because you were waiting for that perfect opportunity? So it's, a, it's an interesting definition. And it's, I think, as you rightly said, I think there are just different ways of looking at it. For me, it is just that sort of stepping up and, and make it, it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to, to fall along the way, uh, you know, because every trip is potentially a learning opportunity. I love that. Every trip is potentially a learning opportunity. And it's so true as well, because as soon as you, as soon as you trip up, you, you don't do it again, do you? you hopefully. I mean, I think hopefully, if, you, if you do, yeah, <laughs> if you do, then probably you've got other issues that we should be talking about. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> that, goes, that goes so much yeah, deeper though, yeah. doesn't it? That's more than what can be said in the workplace, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, okay, great. So, you know, I wanted, I wanted to, syndrome. yeah, I, I wanted to bring it to life, actually, if you would allow me just with a, an example, because I worked with someone uh, for about 17 years, actually in multiple organizations. Um, when I was the CMO at HSBC, I was coming back from Malaysia and not, uh, as an assignment. I came back in 2010 and I was, I was taking over the CMO role for, for HSBC. Uh, and I was, you know, the previous CMO sort of was handing over and he said, this individual, you need to exit her. Uh, she's not performing. And I went, okay, give me the feedback. I sat with her as part of the, you know, the handover meeting with each of the, the team members uh, and gave her feedback that she actually never heard before. Um, and it was, it was ridiculous that we were in a situation where we're ex about to exit someone who didn't know why. Um, she was in tears during that meeting, uh, but she walked away and then came back a week later and went, thank you. Uh, it's the first time I now, I've ever heard that and I now know what I need to work against. But this was an individual that 
and I, you know, definitely suffer from imposter syndrome. Uh, I could, I could always see an opportunity and a potential in her that she never could. And I, I remember I had to drag her for every promotion that I gave her because I knew that she, once she was in that position, she'd absolutely do well. First one at HSBC, oh, absolutely not ready for it. But then she's shone. Joined Visa. Uh, actually, we applied to Visa separately, believe it or not. I didn't actually hire her there. Um, uh, and we joined a few weeks apart. But when she went to Visa, similarly, you should be applying for that role. I'm not ready for it. Yes, you are. And look at all the, look at what you've actually done, which if you look at that job description, that fits perfectly. Why? And it was, I'm not ready. So well, I will give you the air cover so that you can showcase what you can do. And it took, I swear to God, 17 years of pulling and pulling and pulling. Um, this person is now very senior marketing role at Amazon, which she acquired by herself, nothing to do with me. She finally believed it. She finally saw in herself by looking back at that wonderful career that she had. So it, you know, that it's absolutely possible. And it was, when I see people like that, who I know are brilliant, it makes me wonder just how many phenomenal female leaders are we just not seeing because we're not helping them shine. Um, and, and, you know, I think, that's a role that any leader needs to be watching out for. Yeah, and I guess that, I mean, it's, that, that's an incredible story. And it's, it's amazing to hear that over the 17 years, she's, she's now got that, that role that she feels confident herself in, in getting. Um, but I think going back to your point you men- mentioned earlier, but it's, it is around celebrating those achievements. And they could be really small wins. And, and I guess it is for leaders to identify that in, in their staff, in their team, but then to be promoting, promoting the fact that it's okay to celebrate the small things and the big things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I tell you what, as someone who suffered from um, imposter syndrome, that was actually hard for me to do because I had such high expectations of myself. I pushed those expectations down. You know, and it was, I remember, you know, when we were doing ratings and calibrations and we were looking, working across other functions, it was, I was one of the hardest raters of my team because you doing your job well is my bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. And I, and I would often, it took my leadership team to sort of remind me, stop, stop for a second and remember who you're talking to, they're junior, they're walking into a room with you. To me, it's, I'm giving them feedback. To them, they're seeing criticism. Um, so it is so incredibly important to stop for a second and just say, you know what? Congratulations. Um, and it was, and I'm very conscious of me doing that for, for, for many years. It took some brave uh, reportings of mine to, to sort of stop me and say, look what you're doing. And it was never from a, you know, a negative intention, but it was just, I, why, would I, why would I recognize them doing their job well? when that's kind of why I hide them. Yeah, actually, that's their job in the first place. Correct. And actually, you know what? You need that reaffirmation from time to time just to say you're on the right track. Um, and I think it's really important that leaders are doing that, particularly when we know that for women, sometimes that is what they're battling with in, in their own head already. Now we know it's for women and men. So just you know, stop for a second and allow them the time to celebrate and showcase what they should be celebrating. I think that's so important. And I, and I, like you, you know, 
I, at the end of the day, I would look at what I haven't achieved as opposed to what I have achieved. Correct. And and now, probably about two years ago, I started to do a to-do and to-done list. So every time I would complete a task, I would write it on my to-done list. Um, so at the end of the day, I could see you know what I had achieved as opposed to what what I haven't. And you, you know what it's like. Some days you you know you 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 get a meeting with with a prospect that you're looking for, but that that's not on your to-do list. But it yep. can go on your achieved list, you know, on your to-done list, because it, it would have followed up from a previous day of reaching out to that prospect, you know. So that's something that's, that's helped me in terms of celebrating those achievements. And it's not always the big stuff. It's actually the little things that really do support. Um, and that's a wonderful example, I think it is. It's you Because I wouldn't think of that in terms of that's an achievement. But my God, it is. You've just managed to get your foot in the doorway with a potential client. You haven't converted it yet, but it's still a step forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Complete step forward. And, and you know, it, it would be nice to hear that from other people. But I know I set up my own business two years ago. So so my feedback, has it has to come from me um, on things like that. Because, you know, I've got no one telling, telling me that I'm doing my job well. I hope that I am. That I, I have to give myself that feedback. And that's that's a technique that I use um, as a small business owner to, to be able to move that forward. Um, Fantastic. What else could you do to support and promote female professionals within their journey into leadership roles? Um, so look, as a, as a male leader, um, and it was just male colleagues to get leaders, I think we need to want, uh, you know, educate ourselves on a little bit more on why are we doing this? Why is it important? We've all, you know, I, I want to maybe stop for a second. I just want to, one, it frustrates the hell out of me that we're still having, having this conversation, right? It is just an unbelievably infuriating that this has been for decades now. Every company I've worked for, it felt like it was on the agenda, DNI. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to say that the companies I've come from, massive progress has been made. But why 20 years on? are we still having this conversation? And part of it is because we just never really understood why it makes sense. You know, often for us, it's been a HR target that's been pushed down on us and it's a, you've got to get quota X and you've got to hire X number of females. And you go, why though? Not only, it, you know, and I think, you, you know, take the human aspect out of that decision, out of the equation for a second. You know, it's really understanding why this makes financial sense in terms of your bottom line. Right. And it is it absolutely makes financial sense. And I, I had some numbers where um, you know, where we've seen that where, where you've got gender equality and leadership, those organizations are making better business decisions, 87 percent of the time more than organizations that do not have gender equality. And it's, you know, that diversity of thought delivers great value not only to the organization, but to the, I mean, the, to the bottom line. And, you know, and where you don't have gender equality, you don't have diverse thinking, you are 29% more likely to make less revenue. So forget all the human side of things. A third of the time you are losing revenue because you are not led by a diverse organization. Yeah, if, if women were to participate in the global economy equally to men. This is coming from a McKinsey's uh, study, and I'll reference that study a couple of times, because I think it's fantastic. Um, we could add, 
you know, right, equal representation of men and women in the, in the global economy, we could add $28 trillion annually to the global GDP. That's 26% more than exists today. Imagine what we could do with that. And that's just simple equality. There's your why, right? right? There's the why. Why should you be doing this? So it's numbers. So put your emotions out of the equation. If you're a business leader and you don't get it, think about your bottom line. It absolutely makes sense there. So, and I think, you know, the bigger companies get it. We've been there, you know, I, I came from an organization, Visa was my last sort of eight years of my life, seven years of my life, absolutely got it, you know, and yeah, we expect them to do that. But it's 80%, 90% of our economies are these SMEs, they're the smaller businesses that don't quite understand the importance of this. So part of, I think, what we need to be doing, you know, a lot of these smaller businesses are led by men. They need to understand what they're leaving on the table by not having um, a diverse uh, leadership team and bringing in a different way of thinking uh, because actually your SMEs need that for your bottom line. I think the other thing I would say is, and I, again, let me put my marketing hat on now. As marketers, we often sit on probably the biggest budgets that an organization would have. And you've got an ability to be able to use those dollars, not only to be able to drive the value that your organization is asking you of you from those dollars, but think about how you could use it to drive this gender equality agenda more widely. If you are committed to doing this, right, you've got to show up in your organization, but out of your organization. What is, what, is a, what is your team going to think of you when they see you talking about this internally, but then see you engaging with organizations that absolutely don't buy into this? So if you are a marketing leader, think about the clout that your marketing dollars could have when you're engaging with parties and service providers outside. Demand that of the people that before you give them your marketing dollars. The visa, when we looked at our global um, RFP, for our, our, new, our new agency, core criteria was if you want to work with us and you want access to these wonderful dollars and these amazing projects, you've got to show us that you're doing the right thing. We're saying that diversity of thought is really important internally, but we're not asking that of the people that we work with who provide us with thought and the solutions. That's broken to me, right? So don't stop just with the team that you're responsible for make sure that you've got the ability to be able to drive that agenda more broadly and more widely. And I would urge every marketer to think more clearly in terms of who they partner up with, how they show up, because if they're not thinking in the same way as you, they're not delivering in the way that you need them to. That's a really interesting point. And as kind of an owner of an SME, what advice could you then give me to be able to do something like that? in terms of well, well, suppliers that I work with? You know, what questions should I be asking? Well, um, I would make sure that they understand the value piece, right? So if they if, you know, get to understand their organization, I we would ask them to, um, you know, give us a, 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 an understanding of the team that would work with us, right? If they immediately showed up with 10 men and one woman, it was like, tell me why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would, well, 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 firstly, we challenge them back, tell me why, because there may be actually a legitimate reason for it, and we obviously want the best. 
Um, and the, it may be that the rest of the organization is equally split. That's fine. But we'd like, you know, but don't assume, firstly. But challenge. You have the right to challenge. Do that. Your dollars are incredibly important to you. Don't just give them away to an organization because there's someone out there that will absolutely think like you and will be doing the right thing. Um, you know, if they don't understand, it's an opportunity for you to showcase what you know and what you could be sharing with them that will allow them to serve you better. Um, but I, I think it's asking the question is not the wrong thing to do and you know we talked a little bit more about what men should do more is i think men should ask more questions right we we shy away because we're a little bit worried about saying the wrong thing or am i going to offend or you know what i can guarantee you that women would rather you joined in the conversation and made a few mistakes along the way than rather rather than sat on the side you're yeah and but we don't think like that It, it was like I don't want to offend, so I'm not going to stick my neck out. Um, but maybe women can help us pull us in a little bit more because, you know, we don't always see it. It's not out of ill intent. It's just that I, it's such a sensitive topic in some places and for some yeah. people and for some nationalities. I mean, culturally, remember, we're, uh, we're in different parts of the world where this is a bigger issue than it is in others. But, right, if we want, men to get more involved and more engaged and allow them to make some mistakes and let them know that it's going to be, it's okay. Um, invite them in a little bit more. Um, Cause I think when men feel a bit, they're forcing their way in, then it's like, am I just reinforcing a stereotype? So, you know, we, we've got to be open and remember to think like that just so that we're ensuring that we're allowing men to get more involved as well. That's a really interesting point, actually. And I think that's, that's definitely a, a key takeaway for me is actually being able to give male suppliers, counterparts, colleagues, mentors, actually actually be able to give those males the confidence to feel that they can ask the question. So there's 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 learning there for females and males, right? It's actually we we need to take a bit of ownership as well. I mean I'm a big believer in taking ownership. if you want to be a leader, you take ownership of your career and you go and get and you be a leader. But that's just that's just me and my opinion and my values of drive and ambition and I know not yeah. every female's like that but I think that's definitely a key learning for for females is to actually give males the confidence to to ask those uncomfortable questions and you know what and it, it's maybe easy when the, you're the, the the leader is a man and he's working with a team that reports to him but think about your colleagues your peers reportees it's much much harder for them you know as a leader it was my responsibility but for for peers and for reportees, not so easy. So, as you know, I, I would urge that we are conscious of that. And as women, ask the questions yourselves if you're not ask the questions of your male colleagues and partners if they're not being asked by themselves. So. Yeah, such a good point, Hamid. Such a good point. Um, and you've you've managed quite a lot of female teams over over the years. Have you observed any specific qualities or skills that those women? bring to leadership roles that differ from men? Uh, so this is one of those sensitive points where you... you, know, you <laughs> I'm giving... Uh, say anything The you stereotypes. Want. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Because you can fall into stereotypes here, right? So this sort of con- concept of women are more compassionate and women have got a higher EQ and actually that absolute rubbish, absolute rubbish. It is, you know, that's not a gender thing. That's just a human thing. So, you know, you shouldn't assume that because you're, you're a woman 
or you know, that she's a woman that you know that there's going to be these these capabilities. It's not you know for me a strong leader is a strong leader whether you're a man or a woman or uh, yeah it, it's really about making sure that you give men and women the equal opportunity to showcase what they're capable of. You know, I'll, I'll, I think for me, COVID was one of those moments in time that I've been doing this role of working in, you know, for 24, 25 years or 28 years, or I guess by the time COVID hit. Um, and I saw women in a completely different light. I led, so my leadership team at Visa was 75% women. My head of Eastern Europe, my head of Russia, my head of Africa, my head of MENA, every one of them was a woman. Uh, and they were leaders and they had those roles, not because they were women, because they were absolutely the best people for the best role. You, you, know, you, you kind of sort of stop and look back and think, oh, wow, it was, you know, where did that, how, how did that happen? But it was by not having a bias, not by having a conscience, uh, conscious bias towards even assuming that a woman would be part of your, 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 um, um, your pipeline. I, when I took over the, the role of um, the Women's Leadership Network um, sponsorship, I asked, they, I asked, why have you selected me? Why have you asked me to be part of this role? And it was because genuinely, I never saw a problem. Um, because I genuinely would see women and men and being absolutely equal because I've got first-hand experience of just what is brought to the table. Uh, in fact, I probably had an, a reverse um, uh, gender equality issue in that I, you know, my whole team was 65% women across you know, Samia, so these, the 90 countries that we were, were, were covering, 65% were women. So I actually actively tried to recruit men. It was a, it was a weird scenario, but it was... I, I, yeah, I think all things equal with the right equal opportunities to showcase what they do, I don't see a difference. I think um, other than I say what I saw at COVID was that women can juggle a million different things better than men, uh, you know, and I'd probably get hammered by a lot of men listening to this, but, it, you know, we always, the, the bias that men can't multitask. Well, I think we can multitask to a point. I just saw... I saw an individual become a wife, a mother, a teacher, a, a nurse, a, everything, in, you know, and I still got to just be the, the husband and the, and the boss, you know, so uh, maybe multitasking is a, a, a potentially a difference. We'll go with the multitasking. We'll take that. We'll take that. Um, are there any strategies that you can recommend? Now, this could be an initiative in your organization or from somewhere that you've worked over your career that... You know, what strategies can we use or implement to increase female representation in leadership positions? Um, so what I, what I would say is uh, if you want to have the opportunity to, to choose correctly at the leadership level, you have to start thinking about diversity and inclusion and gender equality right from the beginning. Right. McKinsey's report, again, talks about this, the broken rung on this ladder of growth in an organization. And it's the very first rung that's broken. As that first step into management, we are hiring for every 100 men that we hire and promote into that role. We're only promoting 87% of you know, 87 women. Instantly, you've created a gap. 
And that gap gets compounded and grows as you go through the organization. So that by the time you're looking at promoting someone at a leadership level, your choice is much more constrained. You're choosing from a much, much smaller pool when it comes to women. So automatically for every 10 men you've got, you've probably got one woman to choose from. And it makes it much more difficult for them to stand up because they've got to now beat 10 other people, not one in, from a from parity perspective. So I would suggest in terms of that, be very, very conscious at that very early stage because you make that mistake, it, it stays with you for a very long time. But even before they join, think about, think about how you're recruiting them. You know, we... I remember being on a stage at, you know, at the Marketing Society here where we were talking about, and I'd never really heard the term before, but you know, gender-neutral job description. And it, you're absolutely right. Thinking about there are some unconscious biases that you may be building into your job descriptions that you weren't even aware of, that were instantly putting off candidates, female candidates in particular, from applying to your roles. So you're constraining yourself before they've even joined. You're limiting yourself at the beginning when you're promoting. And then you're questioning, why can't I promote them into leadership role? Because you've got no one left to promote because you've, you've just been failing along the way. So I would, I'd suggest think about the recruitment, but think about how you start that journey so that you're making sure you've got a really strong pipeline when it comes to selecting the best leader for, for, you know, for your, as your successor. Um, sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to say, um, you know, what can you do with those those females? So yes, from a recruitment perspective, that's absolutely right. You know, create that pipeline. From a retention perspective, what what strategies can you do to to retain that talent? And so then, and then obviously have it pro- and then promote it, right? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, as I said, I think we talked about it at the beginning. If you if you just look at them being coming in to tick a box and fill a quota, and you know, then you failed, right? Because then absolutely people will start dropping off very, very quickly because they've realized you've only hired them for one specific reason, which is to, you know, take someone's uh, G- D&I agenda. Um, oh but if you're not... Ca- I just hate that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it will be so obvious to you, right? Because you'll, you'll come in and you realize that, that was, that's kind of why I'm here. But if, you, you know, if you're committed to this, then commit to making sure that I said, you know, give them equal space to be able to deliver and showcase. Um, make sure you've got the right training for them understand that they've come in potentially with this question mark in their head of, of the you know imposter syndrome and I, I i get we've said that it's male and female but making sure men are probably a little bit more comfortable with talking up know that your female employees may not be so be conscious of that and find ways to pull it out of them yeah i think one of, one of the things i would do um in previous roles was the mentorship i think is incredibly important so helping helping them find the right mentors as well. You, you can't do this just by yourself, right? It, it, it needs to be a, a sort of collective um, support. I would ask my direct reports to find mentors outside of the function, find mentors that would challenge them in ways that I wouldn't think of because they're coming at it from a different mindset. Um, and, and have mentors that would then be supporters throughout their careers. When we came to calibration at the end of the year when other people were talking on behalf of my team positively it meant that i my job was done i didn't nobody was going to question somebody else talking about my team 
if I say this is a brilliant person, this woman needs to be promoted, it's like, yeah, yeah, but she's, you know, you're just favorite. She to you, yeah, yeah. But when finance and product and sales and are talking about them, they are automatically convincing because why would they say anything other than this is fact? Um, so I would urge mentorship to be chosen in a way that would challenge the, 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 your employees and the female employee in particular, but also looked at you know, people who are able to open up opportunities and pathways for them as they grow in the organization. I wanted to pick up on something there. Um, Mohammed, you mentioned mentors there. Are you suggesting that we should have more than one mentor? Definitely. Definitely. You're, you're, why would you limit yourself? I think there are different people with different skill bases. No one is complete, right? So, you know, come to me for personal branding, come to someone X for financial understanding, come to Y for getting involved in more projects that would showcase different abilities, you know? So yeah, no one's going to get offended by that, right? I think it is you defining where you want to go and who are the right people to help you get to that on that path. Work with your line manager, I would say, to, to, to identify the right people. Um, you know, with my guys, I would literally say, go work with, find a way to weave your way into that person's business. Just so that, you know, either they, they share projects with you, they bring you into initiatives. Um, that way you're being challenged in ways that I couldn't challenge you on. And if you only came to me, then hopefully I can help you in a specific space, but I couldn't help you everywhere. So no, there is never anything wrong with looking at multiple mentors. Um, I think it's, it's diversity of thought again, right? It is, it's, you've got an opportunity to get three or four brilliant minds. Why wouldn't you? That's such a good point. You know, actually using the skill sets of, of others to be able to, to grow and to have that, I guess that sponsorship, that, the cheerleader from different departments. If you're in a large corporate organization, if you're in a smaller organization, then it's, I mean, we're, we're in a, in a region where it's very much not what you know, it's who you know, right? So by having that network and being able to get those great referrals from, from mentors and that personal recommendation means, means a lot. And I was going to say, I don't know anyone that's ever been asked to be a mentor that said, I'm not interested. Time may be constrained, but it's such an honor to be asked in the first place, right? So don't ever shy away. Just have that opportunity. You know, go speak. If you've got an opportunity, go speak to someone and say, will you? Do you mind? And it may be just a, a one-off. It may be a regular thing. But, you know, I, I genuinely don't know anyone that's ever said, nope, not interested in mentoring. Um, it doesn't make them good, but at least you've got an opportunity to hear them and, and get something out of them. So, yeah, speak to as many as you can and get as much as you can out of people. And I guess there's always going to be a learning, right? It goes back to the point you were saying earlier. If you don't, if you, you have to trip up to learn sometimes and, you know, take that risk um, to be able to, to get those learnings. I've got one more question for you, Mohammed. Um, do you think that you need to qualify as a brand's target audience to be a successful marketeer? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. I mean, I'm wholeheartedly no 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 uh we had a very interesting conversation on this recently um over here uh look our role as marketers is to understand what our products do and how they do it understand our target group our audience 
And by understand, I mean a deep, deep, deep understanding of them as human beings, not as a, a person who's about to buy a product. And make sure that we can help match our products with those needs in a seamless way. And that deep understanding, you don't need to be a man or a woman to do that. That's just you being a marketer and understanding how to do your job. You know, um, we don't have, you know, we don't have Formula One drivers that are women. And maybe there's one now, I think. But that doesn't stop Formula One from hiring a female CMO. Yeah, she's never driven a Formula One car. She may have driven it, but she's definitely never raced it, right? That doesn't stop her from understanding the audience and how she needs to make this sport more engaging to them. I was a brand manager on Always. That's a product never in my lifetime am I ever going to use. I had a bit of a steeper learning curve than my female counterparts. But it was just a learning curve. It still meant that I said there was a consumer. She had a specific need. I had to understand what that need was. I had to ask more questions than maybe someone who would ex- experience the need for the product more than me. But at some point in time, we got to a point where I, I got it. I absolutely understood her, her needs, and how my product could solve for her, or what I need to do to change in my product so that it better suited her needs. Uh, so no. There's no need for you. It, it may help. It may be speedier in terms of your learning. But a con- as a marketer, if you don't understand your consumer, it doesn't matter whether you use it or not. You're not the audience. right? And I think we often fail in our roles by forgetting that we're here to serve our clients, not to push our products. That's such a valid point. And you know, when you talk about the learning, it's... It- that's what we talked about the whole the, the whole of this time is actually we need to put the time in to learn more about whether it be males, females, to be able to, I, I guess, move the gender equality initiative forward, um, whether that be working on a product that you are never going to use or whether that's actually getting to know your female counterparts or male counterparts to be able to excel and progress within your careers. So we do have gender more of a gender balance. Yeah, and, and I mean, diversity inclusion in its wider format is incredibly important. And, you know, 30 years into my career, absolutely still learning. You know, when I think about this sort of generation that's coming along, you know, think about reverse mentoring. You know, we always look at mentoring as an upward thing. But actually, as leaders, how are you being reverse mentored by your female employees, by your, your, your Gen Z employees, by... You've got to stay relevant. And if you're not opening yourself up to that feedback and that opportunity to learn, then there's a missed opportunity there. So it's not a one-way path, right? So I think leaders also need to sort of stop for a second and think about, you know, what should I be understanding more and how can I learn from them and give them that opportunity to have a conversation with you and you to have a conversation with them to learn from each other. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. One of the key takeaways for me has been is, is learning, right? If you could, if there's one thing um, that you could put, I'm asking another question now. I said there was gonna. This is the last <laughs> question to, to close. To close, if there's is there one piece of advice um, or one thing that both men and women can do to promote diversity and inclusion, specifically gender equality, what would that be? Look, I think it's continue with the conversation. Don't. It's not. We're not there. Um, recognize the fact that it's still work in progress. Recognize the fact that 
we each have a role to play, right? And I think it's, um, I would say, find ways to connect the dots a little bit better than we are today. I think everybody's talking about it. Everyone's doing a little bit here and there, but we're all working towards the same objective and the same agenda. Why are we not connecting better? So I, th- I would suggest that if you're working on uh, uh, on a committee or a board or an organization where this is, is, is a focus area for us, look around to see who else is doing it and join forces. You know, you're not competing, right? It's not about company X is doing this. It's about how do we all collectively help our economies to get better by making sure that we've got that DNI and that, that equal gender equality piece in place. Um, and you can do that again by having the right conversations with, with the right people. I know that in the society where we're looking to do that, it's, you know, we, when we looked at this, we said, we don't want to be another organization looking at, at, at gender equality. We know that we've got the ability to connect organizations that are already doing fantastic work, learn from each other, support each other, and then you can fight over things at a, at, when, when, when equality is, is reached. We are not there yet. Couldn't agree more. Mohammed, thank you very much for featuring on today's podcast. I've had a, I've had really a lovely and I've had a lovely 40 minutes talking to you about <laughs> a, about a topic that you're clearly so passionate about. So thank you very much. No, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the great work. It's uh yeah, we're we're in it together. So uh I, I hope we get to talk about this a little bit more and, and do a lot a lot more as well. So yeah, and appreciate your time. Thank you.